Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. Joseph's out this week because he has got a bunch of stuff going on with the holidays, and he has his kids at the house, but he's looking forward to joining us next week. You can join. You can catch us each uh, week as we do the show, and you can come to the site at sknr.net, where we have movies, games, television, interviews, hardware, pop culture, travel, and so much more. I also appear on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM. Obviously, this week we'll be off for the holiday, uh, but uh, we also uh, simulcast that. You can just go to ksw.com, follow the links. We have the simulcast on our page, put it up every Friday, and we have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. We're working on the new issue right now that has the 2020 holiday gift guide in it. Our online version will be launching tomorrow of the the gift guide, not the magazine. And, of course, you can go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and see our film and game reviews. Now, obviously, this week, uh, kind of at a quiet time. The new consoles have been out. The major video games have been out. We've got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War. Just finished that the other day. A few other things that we're working on. So, obviously, the focus for the next couple of weeks is going to be a bit different. We're kind of at the time of year where you don't always get a lot of news. I know we have the Video Game Awards coming up. We have the CES online registration. So, you kind of have to take what you get as it comes in. But there was some interesting news this week, and we are definitely going to be discussing that. And it was all related to the movie front. But before that, wanted to mention three things that Warner Brothers Home Video have. Uh, first one is the Looney Tunes Bugs Bunny 80th Anniversary Collection. Comes with a nice collectible figure, Blu-ray digital code, very nice Acme case. And on top of that, it is a three-disc Blu-ray gift set that includes uh, the, as I said, Funko Pop collector's figure, 60 restored remastered theatrical shorts, a new documentary, and much more to celebrate 80 years of Bugs Bunny, which is kind of crazy because we all grew up with Bugs all being well-established, and it's just weird to think that there was a time uh, in the modern world where there wasn't Bugs Bunny. Uh, Another modern interpretation of an old classic, also available from Warner Brothers Home Video, is... Perry Mason, the complete first season, and this as features Emmy Award winner Matthew Reese, who you may know from The Americans, as the new take on Perry Mason. The um, DVD features a special uh, look at the characters of Perry Mason and a conversation between Matthew Reese and Robert Downey Jr., Susan Downey, and also Robert Downey Jr. as well. So it'll be really interesting to um, see how that all plays out. The final thing, and this is great for those people who have a PS5 or a Xbox Series X, is the 4K Ultra HD that comes with Blu-ray and digital code of the five-part miniseries, the uh, uh, classic HBO Chernobyl. So you want to check that out. All right, guys, so we had a lot of news this week, and uh, we'll start with you, Justin. Uh, We had a little bit of unexpected but very interesting news on the Predator front. So what can you tell us, please? Yeah, so uh, this is honestly really exciting for a lot of reasons. Um, so basically what happened was there was a bit of a leak. Uh, I'm not sure 
how it got leaked, who got the information about this, um, which I'll get into in a little bit uh, as to why this is sort of surprising. Um, that a new Predator movie is in the works by director Dan uh, Trachtenberg, uh, who's probably best known for a pretty small, um, kind of a more niche thriller slash horror movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, that's his uh, only feature film so far. He's done some other work on uh, like short films and uh, I think maybe some TV work as well. Um, and apparently it's also being written by um, Patrick Eisen. Um, not a huge name in Hollywood, but has worked on a, a number of um, you know pretty successful uh, TV properties. Um, you know, uh, what makes this a little surprising is uh, I guess Dan Trachtenberg, uh, you know, confirmed that he yes, he is working on Predator 5, um, and he's been working on it for actually for four years. So, uh, that's very interesting to me because that means that this is, uh, a project, um, that predates, uh, the Predator coming out. So not only did this project survive, you know, the, the, the fallout of that movie, you know, that movie, <laughs> Uh, the less that's said about it, the better, uh, I, I would say. You know, uh, I, I had a lot of high hopes for that movie because of who was involved. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think it did really well, and yeah, it did not live up to ex expectations. Um, and, you know, as you know in the business, when when there's a, a movie like that, uh, it tends to it tends to make the, the franchise... Uh, it, it tends to make producers less... Uh, you know, willing to to make more uh, titles in the franchise. I'm a little bit more skittish about it. Um, so this project survived that because if it's been in development for four years, the Predator came out in 2018. It also survived the fit, the Fox Disney merger. So which that that happened a year ago, a little over a year ago at this point. So um, evidently Disney looked at what he was working on and thought it was uh, you know obviously good enough to continue. So uh, that that's very exciting. Uh, there's a there's a few things I'll get into that uh, as to what this could potentially be about. It's it's mostly speculation, but I think it uh, I think there's some meat to to some of these rumors. So, um, th there wasn't any confirmation as to what the premise is about, but uh, on AVP Galaxy, and that's where I'm kind of getting this from. Um, they they noted they kind of did a little bit of digging, and they noted that. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg was working on a film with Fox um, in uh, 2019 called, or the codename was Skulls. And the the premise of it was about a Comanche woman uh, who goes against her gender norms and traditions to become a warrior. That's all it said. It was very, very clear, very simple little premise. So they're kind of speculating that maybe Skulls was a code name for this movie that he was he had been working on with Fox. Uh, the other little bit of piece of evidence that maybe this is this is true is the producer behind it was uh, the Skulls movie uh, was John Davis, who is the you know the longtime Predator um, executive producer. Now that that might not pan out. This Skulls movie may be something else, but uh, you know it. The the little bits of, of information there sort of line up, uh, and it also would coincide with a a line of Predator I think either novels or, or comic books 
that took place you know back in the past with uh, native native american tribe encountering the predators which uh you know if true that'd be that'd be great you know i think uh you know taking the the, the franchise into a uh into the past i think would be a very interesting direction it would be new it would be fresh um i think there's a lot of like interesting things they could do with that um that again that might not pan out that's just a rumor that's totally just speculation but i do think that uh a lot of those those little details line up now going back to dan trachtenberg just a little bit you know i was a huge fan of of 10 cloverfield lane i thought it was a really nice focused very kind of small scale uh, thriller movie it's very well directed very well acted um you know i i as i get older you know i i put less and less stake on uh trying to predict quality based upon who's involved with the movie uh you know uh shane black being involved with the predator i think is a great example of that you know i think shane black did a lot of great work before that movie uh and he was involved with he was obviously an actor in the original predator um so i thought i had a lot of high hopes for that movie and it didn't really pan out um so i don't uh, i don't put as much stock anymore in in you know trying to predict quality that way but that being said uh, I was a huge fan of 10 Cloverfield Lane, um, you know, and I, I think based upon what little information that we have here, I'm excited. Uh, it also, you know, we'll go into this maybe a little bit later with uh, with Deadpool, but uh, it also kind of signals that Disney is totally willing to approach this franchise, which I think is absolutely great. Uh, I was very concerned about the future of both Alien and Predator uh, from the Fox merger, but... Uh, the fact that they're kind of going forward with this is just a sign that, um, you know, Disney is willing to kind of put their, their feet in the waters of kind of the, the more mature, uh, probably R-rated uh, properties. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, obviously, uh, my, my guess is that there's been no filming done on this movie. It's probably all been pre-production and writing. Uh, otherwise, we probably would have heard something about it. Um, but... Uh, you know, four years of, of development means that it's probably, you know, it's probably uh, a, a sure deal that it's going to come out. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Justin said. I mean, I, I like the idea of it, you know, if that pans out that they go in the past, um, the whole Native American angle, I think, would be really interesting. It would be something very different than what's been done, not only with Predator movies, but just in general. And it kind of follows what I would think the Predator line would be, where it's a bunch of, you know, warrior-based, um, you know, aliens who would take on a warrior-based um, society. Uh, and again, I think it, you know, if you, it kind of depends, obviously, on what are the, you know, how do they adjust the technological advantages that the Predators would have, um, you know, versus like, you know, back in the, you know, back in time, Native American clash, that kind of thing. But it would certainly be very interesting in a different take on the genre. And I think something that really, again, Predator is one of those things that I think they need to refresh a bit. I, I like the idea of Predators, where they brought a whole bunch of people together um, to, you know, on a planet to try to survive. I thought that idea was interesting. I just don't think it was executed as well as it could have been. Uh, that's kind of been the problem a lot with the Predator movies in general is it, they're, I think they try too hard to mimic the success of the first one and they've had variable areas of success doing that some movies turned out better than others some kind of follow that same storyline so i think doing something different you know and doing something in an interesting way to kind of bring out more of a, a warrior-based um 
you know, hunt type thing versus, you know, how much damage and destruction can we do, I think would be a really interesting take. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I was, I was always, it's always kind of worrisome, even though, you know, with same with the alien franchise, when, you know, they get a, acquired by another studio, um, we never know how well that's going to go. What, what's in the works that's going to be canned or shelled, uh, you know, and, and how are they going to take, you know, IPs that have been relatively mixed with reception over the past several generations of movies. And again, some of that mixed reception is is clearly at the fault of the studio and, and, and the direction they wanted to take some of these things. And some of it's just the, the you know the story premise and, and you know how do you how do you take these movies that have really interesting lore and really interesting stories and not just turn them into what they want to turn into a big blockbuster blow up type movie. I think um, I think audiences today, and I think we've seen that even with like the Marvel movies, is they're looking for character driven, more story driven um, movies. Uh, you know, especially on these titles that have a lot of lore that they could explore. And I think that's where some of these movies in these franchises really need to kind of embrace and take off from there. So yeah, I think um, the fact that that's still in discussion, still in the works, even with all the, I wouldn't say negative press around the latest one, but just not, you know, a lukewarm reception, not really bringing the numbers forth that Fox or now Disney would have liked, and then continuing to work on those franchises and, and see what will work. I think that's a you know, I think that's a promising sign and something that we can hopefully see good deliverance from when it, when we get to that point. And what's so interesting about this is you can look at it on so many levels. You know, as I told you guys off uh, air, that it's not uncommon for um, studios to often have people working on various pitches for franchises. Now, they may never come to light of day. And, you know, prime example would be look at Paramount and the Star Trek film side of things you know we've heard oh this person's got a script and this per quentin tarantino's got a script and this person's working on a script and what happens the studios look them over and oh, yeah, maybe a little work on this maybe we'll do that one maybe we'll do all three and i kind of take the mentality with a lot of those things is i'll believe it when the cameras start to roll because that's when you know the money is seriously being spent not just writers fees not just all of this and what is interesting about this is everything you guys said, but then you take it to that other level. Go back over the franchise. We had the original Predator. We had Predator 2. Not as big a hit. Did okay. It has become a little more acceptable. I've always thought, float this idea. Nothing against him, but let's say Danny Glover wasn't in it and they didn't tie Schwarzenegger to come back take the film the exact same movie just with Schwarzenegger, throw in a few of his quips, I think it's an even bigger hit, and then you have a different look for the franchise moving forward. Um, you know, the third Predator film, not counting the Alien versus Predators, they keep trying, as you said, to recapture the magic and success of the first film, and they don't quite have a way to get it over the hump. It's that fine line of, this is how much it's going to make at the box office, so we got to kind of keep our budget under this, but yet people now are expecting bigger, better, more advanced, and we saw that with Alien Covenant, where, you know, they kept upping the, the budget, and then eventually they hit that cap as to, okay, this is what we can hope to make for these kind of films. And what I find so interesting about this is that I remember the Robert Rodriguez one, he had talked about that kind of thing. I mean, his original pitch was a group of soldiers fighting the predators on a different planet, uh, 
you know, this is from ages ago. And then, of course, it became that. We had Shane Black's version uh, recently. But it it's that whole thing that, well, Shane Black is out talking this thing up. And this is all before the Disney merger happened. Shane Black's out talking about, well, I've got a trilogy of films planned around this thing I'm doing. And then they did all the reshoots, and we all heard about the costly reshoots and changing things from day cycle to night cycle. If this is to be believed, this whole project was under development at that time, and it's just unusual beyond belief to have a guy moving forward for what you hope is the first film of a trilogy while you're actively doing another one. And that's what made me wonder, because he, uh, Trachtenberg, had said in a recent tweet, he was a little upset that the reveal came out because he said they had a very special, um, they had plans, basically, for a very special reveal of the film. And a lot of people think it would have been some viral marketing campaign like they did with 10 Cloverfield Lane, where it came out of nowhere and people were like, oh, wow, what's this? And how is this connected? I'm almost wondering if they had some plans to make it a potential uh, television series or a streaming movie or something like that. And they had the mentality of, yeah, yeah, or webisodes, any, you know, maybe even animated something. It just, it, four years is a lot of time to be working on a project, um, especially when you have a competing thing. So now the cat's out of the bag, as it were. I just hope this does not become a um, repeat of that Alien 5 thing where, oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, and no, we're not doing it. So um, I think, though, the fact that there's been such a, I would say, overwhelmingly positive reaction to that news and the rumors that we had heard that there were some kind of Alien Universe-related things in various stages... Uh, bodes well like you said switching gears let's talk about another disney acquisition from fox deadpool 3 and we got news this week that um it's moving forward it is likely going to still have the r rating and what i found really interesting is that the um pitch they did now from my understanding they had ryan reynolds they had executives meet with various uh, writers to hear their pitch and then they decided which one was in keeping with where they wanted to go for a third film and it was really interesting because apparently what uh, Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux uh, Logan who've worked uh, again as I said on Bob's Burgers and other things um, their pitch apparently was right up where Ryan Reynolds wanted to go was you know very enthusiastically received by the studio executives and uh, they've uh, been given the uh, go-ahead to go ahead and write the script for the next installment. So it's really interesting uh, that they are still going to go ahead with the R rating if everything uh, that we're hearing is true. And, you know, Disney's moving forward. So, Michael, why don't you uh, talk about it? What do you think? Yeah, I always kind of like the idea of when they they kind of think outside the box and they go to, to a bunch of people to kind of get some ideas that maybe um, the other writers and the, and the folks involved in the movie hadn't considered. And this is a, a really interesting way where you kind of bring in other writers, let them pitch you ideas for the movie, and, and, and kind of get an, an overview of what 
kind of sticks. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can gain from this. One is if you get a lot of writers who are coming in with similar ideas, maybe it's someplace you want to take the franchise in general. When it ties up to what, you know, Ryan Reynolds, who has really, you know, it, it's because of him that Deadpool is a, as, you know, successful as it is. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, if they're all kind of on the same page of what they think is going to happen, what they want to do, I think it really gives um, the studio and, uh, you know, the actors and the writers all an opportunity to have some feedback. And instead of just having, you know, some studio exec hiring a writer saying this is how the movie's going to go and, you know, with very, you know, success with that process, I think this is a, a much more collaborative process. It's a way that they can kind of, uh, field ideas, maybe take some bits and pieces of all of their ideas and kind of utilize what they thought was was good. And then, you know, picking the people who are going to do the best writing job for this. I mean, we've all seen movies where we, we kind of shake our head at the decision of who they picked to do the writing, right? You know, you'll have somebody who who comes in from a genre that's not even related, um, you know, go, trying to write a, a, com, a, com, a comedic pitch on an action movie, and they come from a drama, you know, there's a, there's a very, you know, there's obviously different mindsets of the folks who are writing these scripts and, and what the directors and, and what the actors are expecting. So I think when they when they do this collaborative process where they, you know, they get ideas from um, groups of people, they bring in the actors, they bring in the directors, they bring in all those folks who are going to have a say in how it turns out and then utilize what they all feel is the best best way to move forward as opposed to just drawing a name out of a hat. Yeah, I mean, I know there's more that goes into it than that, but sometimes that's how it feels. I think this is a good way to, to ensure that the movie's going to live up to the standards that the fans expect, that Ryan Reynolds expects, because again, without him, that movie doesn't exist. And with, you know, utilizing his own personal quirks, the comedic elements he brings to that film, and then his ideas around it, again, playing that character for so long, I think it's a great, um, a great move on the studio and, and promises that the movie itself will will likely live up to the standards and the hopes and dreams that the fans have. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I completely agree uh, with, with Michael's assessment there. And I think um, the other thing that's exciting about this, and I've mentioned it just a little bit in, in talking about the Predator uh, movie that's coming out, um, this sort of signals that Disney is pretty open-minded about um, more mature properties, uh, which is which is very interesting because... Um, in the past, it's always been kind of just roughly assumed that uh, they really kind of wanted to keep all of their or a vast majority of their uh, properties kind of more family oriented, uh, you know, things that they would want, you know, on Disney Plus. It's been a lot of speculation as to what they would do with a lot of these uh, more R rated properties that, that Fox had um, and whether, you know, they would kind of open up a kind of uh, sub studio that's sort of distant from Disney or, you know, if they had, if they wanted to, um, you know, have these properties on streaming services, like would they include them into Disney plus or would they use a different service? Um, but it does appear that they are fairly open. Now we don't know if this Deadpool movie will actually end up being R rated, but supposedly from the rumors that, uh, the pitch uh, is kind of in line with the previous movies and is what, ryan reynolds wants so my guess is that it will probably be r-rated uh that was a pretty important part of the previous two movies um so that being said it does seem like disney is being pretty open-minded about um about how they approach this stuff and i think that's pretty exciting um again 
Deadpool was a was a concern uh, because of the merger, uh, given that it, it is a superhero property and they would probably like to uh, include Deadpool into the MCU at some point. Um, but given that it's pretty much tied, uh, you know, pretty closely with the old X-Men movies, that's kind of hard to do. But, um, you know, I, there has been a lot of rumors swirling around about Disney's approach to the MCU going forward and that... Uh, there might be, um, you know, some multiverse kind of stuff that they introduce to kind of like fold all of these other uh, superhero universes into the MCU, so to speak, so that, you know, they can have Deadpool show up uh, played by Ryan Reynolds and it will be the same Deadpool that, you know, you've seen in these other movies. But he didn't exactly exist in the MCU version of the universe. It was a, you know, alternate universe uh, and that way that they can kind of get around that, um, that cognitive dissonance, I guess, of, you know, uh, you know, how is this character showing up? But, you know, all these other events happened. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. My guess is that some of these movies coming up will introduce a multiverse type um, component to the MCU. And that way Deadpool can have his history with the Fox universe, but also exist with the MCU as well. It's uh, my guess is what's going to happen. Um you know, and that way, uh, when Deadpool has his own movies, it can be, you know, strictly Deadpool. And then when he does, like, uh, crossover events with the MCU, he can just show up. Um, and they can basically explain around it with, like, uh, multiverse portals or whatever. So, uh, you know, I think that's exciting. Uh, I'm excited. Obviously, I like the previous two Deadpool movies. And it's just, it's great to hear that Disney is moving forward with them. Yeah, and I think it's... Uh interesting too because a lot of people have talked about we even brought it up on the main radio show the other week that you know you've got three films you've got black widow you've got shang chi and then of course you've got the eternals that are pretty much all done one of them's done for sure the other two are pretty much done at this point they're getting ready to film the new thor movie and you know they're there was talk that Disney is going to be releasing more films um, straight to Disney Plus, that they don't have any major releases planned for the first quarter of next year. So we've heard films like Cruella maybe released straight to video. And, you know, my thought is, well, that's great, but that is not the same as releasing these $200 million tentpole films. And there's a lot of people in the industry saying Disney cannot put Marvel or Star Wars things that are intended for the theaters out on a streaming service this isn't the mandalorian or anything where that's budgeted and planned accordingly um due to the fact if you have to recoup your investment and then what i found really interesting is they said that apparently uh black panther 2 is going to start filming in july and they believe that blade is already in early pre-production combine this with the fact that we just talked about deadpool um, we're not even going to talk about the Sony films that are out there. You know, they do have Spider-Man and Mobius already rolling away. There's another Venom film. And then you change gears and go, oh, yeah, let's not forget there's another Doctor Strange movie in the works. We've been told Ant-Man 3 and Guardians Volume 3 are all set and ready to go. And so now all of a sudden you see this glut and you're sitting here going, you know, they're probably going to be back to four movies a year and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if they are truly going to be able to keep the box office when things resume 
t- at three movies a year, but they apparently feel, if nothing else, we're stocking up into 2022, 2023, and go from there. It just it seems so interesting to me that they're moving ahead and filming, uh, just getting these things in the can. And I guess their mentality is, we'll figure it out later. And if we have a year and a half, two year backlog, so be it. And that brings us to the final point of the show was the news came this week that Wonder Woman 1984, which has endured multiple release date changes, uh, was locked in on Christmas Day, and a lot of people firmly expected that to be pushed back again due to the uh, you know rising nature of infections that are going on right now. The theaters have already had enough problems. Um, major cities still don't have their theaters open. A lot of cinemas have gone on lockdown. Toronto, as an example, just entered a lockdown period. Uh, but they've come out and said Wonder Woman 1984 is indeed going to release on Christmas Day in theaters and it will also appear at the same time on HBO Max for a limited time on HBO Max. Apparently, uh, there has not been the backlash from the theaters over this decision. Uh, so, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the theaters, unfortunately, are trying to... I think they've kind of given up on the losing battle. I mean, the reality is things are right now are the worst they've ever been from a virus perspective. Um, whether or not theaters lock down again, I think, is irrelevant. I mean, I, I've been going to, you know, Alamo Draft House, you know, fairly regularly, but that's because I know there's only going to be five of us there. And, I, you know, total in the whole theater, we can kind of sp- spread out where our seats... And that kind of thing. I just don't know, particularly with how Thanksgiving goes and, and how the next couple of weeks go with Christmas coming up. I just don't think there's going to be a Christmas Day rush to the theater to go see movies. Not like it has been in the past. And those are typically pretty busy days for theaters because there's really nothing else open. Families are together. It's a good thing to go do on a Christmas Day. So, and, you know, that's what we did last year as well. So yeah, I just think they're, it's unfortunate, but I think until things get quote unquote back to normal, I think theaters are gonna be struggling. And, and the fact that they're releasing it on HBO Max and that there are opportunities to get free, you know, sign up for it. I don't know what HBO Max is, I think seven days, free seven days or whatever. You know, there's gonna be a, a lot of folks who wanna see that movie, but don't wanna risk crowds, don't wanna risk theaters. And just honestly, they can see it for free, you know, versus going to, uh, to pay to go see it. You know, again, I'm a huge theater person. I love the experience. You know, even with um, the past couple of months when we've been going out, um, we saw Face Off, we saw Empire Strikes Back, we saw these movies that have, you know, I have on Blu-ray. They're always free on TV, probably seen them a million times on TV, but we still paid the money to go see them, just not only to support the theater, but just for that experience. So I I think, unfortunately, I think this is going to be the way of the world for the next several months at least. And I think theaters are at a point where they're going to have to decide how to ride this out. And sometimes that might be, you know, shut them down completely so they don't really care about what's being or going to be released in theaters because they just can't afford to stay open with the minimal crowds until things kind of settle down. I I do hope and expect that theaters will see a resurgence. I think once things kind of settle down, vaccines or, or whatever that takes, I do think that there will be a lot more of a push to go to the theaters. I think people are going to be anxious to get out and go see movies again, I hope. Uh, but I think for the next foreseeable future anyways, I, I think this is going to be the way of the things. And again, this isn't just theaters that are being impacted. You know, the cost of that movie, 
Uh, and I, I don't know what HBO paid, but I'm sure it was significant. But did they pay enough that it's going to offset the losses of the theater that they're not going to be getting? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen on any um, direct streaming revenue. Um, so, again, I think this is going to hurt the theaters as well. And, and we, we all really need the theaters to kind of get back moving again when things are safe to do so. Because that is going to impact the budgets that the um, that the, each of the production studios has to put into a movie. You know, there's a there's a big difference when you're producing a movie for a streaming service versus producing a movie for, you know, a, a $600 million release in the box office. Yeah, and we'll definitely get your last thought on this in one second, Justin. And that's the thing. Uh, I think you've hit it right on the head. The theaters are just at this point. They look. They tried, and it didn't work. They tried with Tenet, thinking it would bring everyone back. It didn't. We've seen, you know, mainly smaller quality films. Nobody's putting a big budget film out because they know the audience isn't there. And I think at this point, that's why you've seen uh, Cinemark now jump on and sign a deal. Uh, you had Canada's largest uh, theater chain sign a deal with Universal. Now, it's interesting. It's only Universal, but they... I think we can agree have been the most aggressive in putting out product. Uh, you know, you haven't seen a lot of Paramount and uh, Warner Brothers and uh, various other releases uh, to date. We all we've just discussed Disney, and I think it's exactly what you said. I think they've just thrown up their hands and said, "We're going to just take what we can get and do the best with what we can." And if it means looking the other way while they put something on streaming as long as they throw us a bone and put it in the theater so be it you know and i'm sure they're going to have to try to do something clever like well get your exclusive wonder woman 1984 pin for the first a thousand people that come and see it in theaters or something like that to try to drive people along anyway justin finish up the topic and take us home yeah so you know i, I think you guys really absolutely nailed it on the head i, I just think it's just way too soon, um, especially because, uh, like Michael said, it's wor the the cases are worse than it's ever been. Um, we're absolutely in the midst of a of a second spike, um, and it, in fact, the spike seems to be worse than the uh, than the first one by considerable considerable margins. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of people thought this because of you know as as weather got cooler, in a lot of places, people started to go indoors more and uh that's that's where it spreads the most it spreads the most you know in tight places when people are indoors and together and uh that's unfortunately that seems like that's what's happening um you know and given that theaters are a closed and uh, closed room space that has it has a lot of you know strangers together um for a couple hours it's just it's just not gonna work uh it's not gonna work until numbers are uh you know a, a a tiny fraction of what they are now uh if there's you know trace amounts out there uh, of cases then yeah i could see people going back to the theaters but my guess is that going to the theaters is a pretty low priority for people and um you know i'm sort of in that boat i i love going to the theaters i love the theater going experience for especially for blockbuster movies and i, I really do hope that things get back to normal um, for them, and I, I feel just real bad for the the companies that uh, just they're absolutely just at a standstill and ble just bleeding money. And uh, I just can't imagine just how horrible that it is to you know try to run a business, um, you know, a, a theater business right now. Uh, but that being said, it's just 
there's no way that they can kind of make the case that it's it's a really safe activity. Um, I, I just don't think that people are really gonna gonna buy that until the cases are down and they're just sort of at the mercy of the situation, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it's not all bad news. I mean, obviously in the news there's you know uh, some news about you know potential vaccines and you know so, so hopefully by next summer things will be more normal but it, again that's just a uh just thrown out a prediction there uh if things go real well you know maybe uh people will be more open to going back to the theaters in the summers but the thing too is that um even if people are willing to go back to the theaters there has to be things to go see in the theaters and that's another huge part of this is that um you know the studios have to commit to to releasing you know their movies exclusively in the theaters uh to to draw people there uh that, that's really the the main the main component of people going to the theaters is that um you know the movies release there exclusively for a number of months before they can see it on streaming services um and that that's a that's going to be a big component of this um you know next summer or you know god willing uh things are are more normal by then um, the studios really do have to get back into that, that mode of releasing things in theaters first for theaters to be successful. I, I really think that's a, that's a big component of it. So, uh, again, hopefully, uh, by then, uh, there'll be movies releasing in theaters that will draw people there and hopefully it's a, it's a safe activity. Yeah. And it's just, it is very, very much in change and just, you know, we always, keep hoping and thinking it's getting better but it seems like every time we take a step forward there's a couple steps back and you know, case in point cdc was telling people not to do any holiday traveling and the local airport was absolutely packed already so you know what can you do and, and i think it comes down to like anything else there there comes a point of what do people consider safe and the problem is there are so many things like for example you get people say well it's okay to have a gathering of so many people provided they've all been relatively isolating and then you get situations like let's you know look at uh, california where they say well you can't have a gathering of this many people however if you want to have this outdoor event at a theme park that's okay because it's open aired masked and spaced and it you know people see that and go okay well if we can put this large group of people in a theme park masked and spaced why can't i do this masked and spaced and, and then they just say well i'm going to go ahead and do it and then the misinformation comes in and i it's just a very bad situation i think that what we're looking at right now is the whole world is basically trying to get through the end of the year as best they can i think everybody's kind of looking ahead toward the spring saying okay so next spring we should have a vaccine for those that are going to take it and hopefully that and maybe better use of masks better information out there maybe new therapeutics people will say okay uh, this will drive the case down and we can start you know moving forward again it just it seems really interesting that so many places are still you know playing the the long game with it there are so many we've talked about the conventions essentially saying you know we're not really looking at uh the spring but we're willing to consider the late fall and winter and so you know 
we'll have to see. But until then, the best thing we can all do is try to stay as healthy and alert as we can and go from there. And that is going to do it for us this week. Speaking of healthy and alert, everybody have a very safe and wonderful Thanksgiving. I do, uh, you know, I understand it's very difficult not doing the traditions where uh, wife and I are just staying here. We're going to have a uh, teleconference Thanksgiving with the other family members where we all sit down and have dinner and have our conversation uh, via teleconferencing. And, you know, we'll go from there and hopefully in a few weeks time things are a little better and maybe you know enjoy some of the christmas things that are going on still hoping uh if everything is approved to be able to do our, our coverage of the nuts uh, taste festival and you know mid to late december but we'll have to see for now take care and have a great one and we'll talk to you next week